right. Any Pinterest fans in the house? You're a Pinterest person. All right. I see a fair number of hands, even some guy hands. That's cool. That's cool. My guess is some of you are afraid to raise your hand because you have had at some point in the past what we call Pinterest fails. Anybody know what I'm talking about? On a Pinterest fail? Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If by some chance you don't know what a Pinterest fail is, it's basically this. You see something really cool online. It's creative, it's cute, it's classy, and it looks simple enough. You know, maybe it's a cupcake that somebody designed and they pinned, or maybe it's a really artsy photo they took, or maybe they made some really cool shawl they knitted or something like that. And you think to yourself, that looks so simple. I could do that. And so you try and you fail miserably, right? Nothing you ever try to do turns out quite like it looks on Pinterest. Usually when you get done, and you look at what you created versus what you were supposed to create, it's like the only thing you can say is, nailed it. That's it. I nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. So I'm going to give you a few examples this morning, some ones that you've probably seen. This uh, poor person, I'm going to say it's a man, tried to make some Cookie Monster cookies. They saw some really fantastic cupcakes, and they were cool and cute, and it would have made for a perfect party gift or you know, party snack, and then it turned into that. It's not always food. Sometimes it's photography. So maybe you've seen those cute pictures where moms stack their babies on top of each other and take a nice photo. Let's put that one up there. Yeah. There's expectation versus reality. You're like, I can't even get my kids to stay on top of each other. They're not even wearing clothes, much less coordinated. This is taken with my cell phone. I didn't have a nice camera even. Nailed it. All right. One more for you. This one's a little creepy. This actually comes from a Netflix show called Nailed It. How many of you guys have watched that? It's one of my favorites. I've binged the whole thing in the last two weeks. It's fantastic. And uh, they were making a cake. It was a Rapunzel cake. And so Rapunzel's looking really good in the professional version. And in the um, amateur version, she is looking quite terrifying, all right? Yeah, I mean, that's what a Pinterest fail is. It's when you see the ideal, the example that you're supposed to follow, and you compare that to what's real and true in your life, and you're like, man, these are not on the same level at all. I wonder if any of you have ever felt that same tension in your spiritual life. Maybe you've felt that same sort of like, I don't know if this is quite the way things are supposed to look when it comes to your relationship with God. Maybe you've seen some perfect Christian dad, you know? He's got everything together. He looks fantastic all the time. His jeans are the perfect amount of skinny. His shoes are always on point. You know, his beard is perfectly manicured. It's like all that stuff, right? And you're like, ugh. I hate him. I hate him so much. He's always at church on time with his family. Me, I'm lucky if I get the family to church without anybody murdering anybody. You look at the ideal and you look at the real and there's a gap. There's something missing. They don't quite line up. Maybe you've been around somebody who had all the answers for, you know, spiritual questions. It's like they always knew what verse to bring up. Or maybe you heard them pray and you're like, man, they know how to pray. And I wish I could pray like that, but I know I never will. Maybe you see or you have some picture of ideally who you should be, what your relationship in following Jesus should look like. And when you compare your reality 
to that ideal, it's as scary as one of these crazy cakes that I've showed you so far this morning. If you're not careful, you can actually look at your life and how messy it is, how, you know, not put together it can be, how confusing and difficult following after Jesus often is. You can look at your life and see the mess, see the problem, see the difficulty, and you can compare it to somebody else, whether it's a real person that maybe you know, or it's some idealized picture you've gotten from a pastor or the Bible or something like that. You can compare you to them and you can say, oh, Am I ever going to get this right? Am I ever going to get this right? Am I ever going to graduate from the the sloppy amateur version of me to the best me, the me that I always wanted to be, the me that's able to do all the things that I think God wants me to do? I mean, you can look at where you are and where you need to be and become completely overwhelmed by that gap, can't you? Some of you are living in that tension right now where you're like, I know who I want to be and I know who I am and there's such a big distance between the two. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get this right. Am I ever going to get control of my temper? Am I ever going to overcome my doubts and questions? Will I always feel like I fail to measure up? And I'll tell you guys, just, you know, to kind of dispel some myths here, pastors struggle with the exact same thing too. Don't think to yourself, oh, well, Pastor Dan, he's so holy. And so he never looks at anybody else and is jealous or confused because he's not exactly where they need to be. Now, I'll tell you guys, I don't struggle as much anymore with like the, oh, my walk with Jesus doesn't look like this perfect idealized version of a walk with Jesus because, you know, I know that that's all fake anyway, right? So I don't struggle with that so much, but I will tell you where I struggle. I struggle as I compare myself as a pastor to other pastors, or I compare our church to other churches. I mean, I look at some of these pastors and they've got it together. You know what I mean? They've got perfect teeth and their hair is perfect. And, you know, they just look so cool. Some of you guys who went to the art conference with us a few weeks ago, you know what I'm talking about. Bros were rolling around in jean jackets. I didn't even know jean jackets were cool. And sure enough, man, they're rolling around and I'm like, you handsome bastards, man. I just can't believe. And then I feel bad about myself because I just called another pastor a bastard. I'm like, man, I need some work. The idealized version of me is not the real version of me. And I experience tension over it. And so do you. There is a gap between where you are and where you want to be. There is a difference between what you should be doing and what you're currently doing. Now, here's the good news. The good news is we're going to look at a story from the scripture today in which Jesus talks about this gap between who we are and who we should be. And he gives us kind of a blueprint. He gives us some ideas and some principles about how we can grow in our relationship with God or in any area of our life, really. He gives us some encouragement to stick with it even when the results are not very pretty, to pursue God even in the middle of setbacks and mishaps and failures, to believe that you can grow, that you don't have to accept things the way that they are now that you don't have to look at your life with irony and sarcasm and you're like, nailed it, 
I guess I'm doing the right thing. Nailed it. I'm doing my best. It doesn't look like it's supposed to, but okay, I guess I'll settle. These words from Jesus actually have the power to encourage you and help you to make the transition, to grow and to follow after Jesus, to become everything that he created you to be. So we're in the fourth week of this series that we're calling We Can't Stay Here. And if you, this is your first time, you know, you, you weren't here for the first three weeks or so, that's okay. No big deal. It's not a problem at all. We're going to just walk through a couple of things that'll get you caught up to speed as we begin reading here in Matthew chapter number four. So we'll put the verses on the screen. You can follow along with us right there. It's a short little story that Jesus tells. And so uh, I'll be reading here. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have these exact Bibles at the guest center out front. They're free. All you have to do is walk up and steal one. Nobody's going to chase you down. We're not going to charge you. We're not going to bill you in the mail. You could just walk up and take one, or you can ask and somebody will give it to you. It's totally cool. But if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to put one in your hands for free. This is a great version, especially if you're new to the faith and you're like, I want to make sense out of it, but I don't even know where to start. This thing will help. All right. Mark chapter number four. Let's listen to this. This story that Jesus tells, again, that will help you to grow, help you to get to where God wants you to be. So in verse 26 of Mark chapter number four, Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Now, I know there are probably some of you that are like, I don't get it, man. You told me that Jesus was going to say something that was going to help transform me into the person that he created me to be, that I was going to move from like the, the Pinterest imperfect version to the Pinterest perfect version. And I don't see that here in this passage. And well, let me help you. I want to kind of spell it out for you because this really is a powerful set of sentences that Jesus lays out for us. First thing you need to understand is that this is what we call a parable. We've been talking about parables throughout this series, but if you still are unfamiliar or you don't know exactly what a parable is, it's basically a small story with a big meaning. That's what a parable is, a small story with a big meaning. It is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It is a made-up scenario in which Jesus is trying to teach you something both about God and yourself. That's the point of every single parable that Jesus tells. So if you're thinking, well, what is this story about a farmer and a stock of wheat have to do with me and my relationship with God or growing into the person that I'm supposed to be? Well, in this story, the farmer represents you. You are actually supposed to put yourself in the shoes of the farmer. And what is true of the farmer is true of each one of us, no matter where we're at in our relationship with God. Then the, the plant, the stalk of wheat that grows up actually represents your spiritual life, your relationship with God. Whatever that looks like right now, it is represented by this plant that Jesus talks about. And so um, this morning, I want to point out a few principles and I want to help you to understand how this idea of a plant growing up actually communicates a great deal about you and where God wants to take you and how it is that you're going to get there. And I'll say, I've already spent several you know, minutes this morning talking about relationship with God and following Jesus. And I recognize that there are some of you guys that are here and you wouldn't consider yourselves followers of Jesus. You're like, I don't know what I believe. I'm not totally even sure why I'm here. I just wandered in. One time we had a guy who wandered in because he needed to use the bathroom and he stuck around for the service. It was awesome. Now he serves on our dream team. Some some of you are here and you don't even know why. We just kept him. We wouldn't let him go. Um, you don't even know why you're here. 
And I will tell you that even as I'm talking about this story in, in terms of and in the context of spiritual growth and a relationship with God, this is actually true in any area of your life that you want to grow in. So if you need your marriage to grow, if you have a very amateur, imperfect version of the marriage that you wanted to see, these principles will help you. If you want your business to grow, these sorts of things will help. If you want to get healthy in body or mind or whatever, these things will apply. So even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to stick with us. You know, Be open at least to what Christ says here in this passage because I think these are compelling words that really do have the power to help. So let me start by giving you the first principle that we see here from this parable that Jesus tells, and that is that spiritual growth is the plan. Very simple. Spiritual growth is the plan. The whole point that Jesus is making as he tells this parable is that this plant grows, it develops, it matures, it flourishes, it blossoms. And Jesus would tell you that God wants you to grow, to develop, to flourish, to blossom, that God wants to take you from where you are to something greater something more meaningful, something that will bring you more hope and joy and purpose and happiness than you ever thought was possible. The entire reason that Jesus uses this organic and earthy imagery of a plant growing up as it's tended by a farmer is because like healthy plants, God's plan for you is to grow, to develop into something that is both beautiful and fruitful. That's what God wants for you. That is his hope and his plan. Beautiful, fruitful, mature followers of Jesus. God wants to take you from where you are to where you can be. God wants you to move from fear to faith. God wants you to move from bondage to freedom. God wants you to move from doubts to confidence. God wants you to move from brokenness to healing. God wants you to move from separation and isolation to community. He wants you to go from shallow to deep. God wants to grow you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to develop you. That is his plan. Because there is this principle that God has established, and it's basically universally true. It's true of nearly everything on the planet, and that is that healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy plants grow, right? Healthy children grow. Healthy marriages continue to grow. Healthy churches continue to grow. Our souls actually are designed by God to grow over time. But in order to grow, you have to embrace God's desire to change you a little bit. I mean, isn't that the very definition of growth, of moving from where you are to where you want to be? You have to be willing to change just a little bit. There are too many of us that settle for the status quo. And we think this is all there is or all there will ever be. I'm kind of following Jesus, but it's very kind of uh, shallow and I don't really know if I'm doing it right and I don't think I'm ever gonna figure it out. I don't know if my marriage can ever be better. I don't know if we could ever be reconciled. I don't know if we could ever love each other the way that we did back then. I don't know if my business could ever survive. I don't know if my prayer life could ever get to be more than a chore that I do every Sunday. God wants you to grow. But in order to grow, you have got to leave behind your comfort zone. You've got to leave behind the status quo of what is so that you can move into what 
can be. Now listen, you guys know this is true in every area of your life. If you want to get better at anything, you put in work, you grow, you develop, you change over time. This is what God wants for you. It is his plan from the beginning. Who you are today is not who you have to be tomorrow. You don't have to settle into this rut in whatever area of your life you want to talk about and just assume that it'll never change, that it will never get any better. That sort of mindset will prevent you from experiencing growth. Do you understand? That sort of mindset will prevent you from moving anywhere further than where you are right now. Can I just tell you, there are things that God wants to do through you that you can't even conceive of yet. Yeah, you you. There are things that God wants to grow you so that you can accomplish. And if God were to lay out the plan for you now, you would say, no way. There's no way that would ever be true of me. But in order to make that happen, in order for you to be fruitful in that way, God has to move you from where you are to where you want to be. And you've got to identify and embrace the notion that God's got to change you. He has got to push you further along. Listen, I, I tell you guys all the time, I grew up as a kid in a trailer park in Texas on food stamps. We never went to church. Church was the last thing in my mind. And if God would have appeared to me at 15 or 16 years old and said, Dan, guess what? One day you're going to be a pastor in Canada. I'm like, I think I can pick out Canada on a map. But I could definitely tell you, God, I'm not going to be a pastor. That's crazy. And yet, here I am. Listen, there are things that are inside of you guys. God has already planted them there. They are like a seed under the soil. You can't see them yet. You're not even aware that they've been planted inside of you. But if you will embrace the idea that God wants to do something through you, you will see things change. You will see things blossom. There is a connect group in some of you. Joshua told you about leading a connect group and some of you have been on the fence or you've thought, no, I could never do that. Yes, you can. There's a spot on the dream team for some of you. There is an invitation for one of your coworkers to, to embrace and discover life overflowing through Christ. It is inside of you. There is a healthy marriage inside of you too. There is change, growth, blossoming and flourishing that is possible. That is God's plan for you. If he is your heavenly father, then he wants what is truly good for you. And that will include calling out things that you don't even realize are in you yet. Now, if that's true of all of us as individuals, can I say that that is also true of us as a collective body, as a church? That if God's plan and desire for all of us is to grow and blossom and flourish, his plan for his church is also to grow and to blossom and to flourish. I'll be the first to admit to you that we might not be that much in comparison to our city. A group of 200 people is not really all that big in a city of 1.2 or 1.3 million people. A church of a couple hundred people meeting in a movie theater is not really all that impressive compared to some megachurch that's got 5,000 people in it. But can I I tell you, I just refuse to believe that our impact has to be small. I refuse to accept that. 
I believe that God has put something inside of this gathering of people that he wants to call out. Something that will bloom and blossom and flourish and make this city better because we are a part of it. Our imprint does not have to stay insignificant. He wants you and me and us to influence and impact the city of Calgary, the city of Airdrie, and wherever the heck else he might open doors for us. The book of Zechariah, chapter number four, verse 10, tells us not to despise humble beginnings because there are amazing things that God can do even with very little resources. So I want you guys to understand that Jesus' words here in this parable, they become a challenge to me and to you, both individually and corporately, to move forward to believe that our best days are ahead of us, that the things that we will experience tomorrow are better than the things that we've experienced yesterday because we have a God who loves us and he is calling us forth and he is growing and maturing us into the people that he's always created us to be. God's plan is for me and for you, for us to grow. Jesus also points out in this parable that spiritual growth is a partnership. It is a partnership. You see, in this parable, the farmer works in partnership with nature, doesn't he? Jesus points out that the farmer has his part to play, and so does the earth in bringing forth these crops. There are no crops unless the farmer goes and scatters the seed. That's his part to play. However, there, the, the farmer cannot make the sunshine and he cannot make the rain to fall. So check this. I want you guys to understand this. The farmer is responsible for the things that he can control, and he is dependent on God for the things that he cannot control. All right. The same is true of your spiritual life. You are responsible for the things that you can control, and the things you cannot control, all you can do is trust God. If you ever hope to grow, if you ever hope to move from here to there, to develop a better marriage, a better business, a better uh, financial situation, a better spiritual life, which should be our ultimate goal, then you have to take some ownership in what God wants to do in you and through you. You can't just sit in a seat and say, okay, God, I'm ready whenever you are. Zap me. Make it happen. If you come and sit and just observe a service happening on Sunday, you're not going to experience any real growth. I mean, can we agree that sitting in a courtroom doesn't make you a lawyer? Can we agree with that? Can we agree that going to a Flames game does not make you a goalie? Then can we also agree that sitting passively through a church service doesn't make you a growing follower of Jesus? You have to get your hands dirty. You have to get involved. You have to partner with God in what he wants to do in your life. Get out of the seats and get on to the field. This is why I'm always telling you guys, the very best things you can do for your faith are to join a small group and to serve on the dream team. Because in both of those situations, you get out of the seats, you get into community, and you start to to partner with God. You produce instead of simply receive all the time. The very best thing you can do is to get involved, to partner with God as he tries to develop you into the person that he wants you to be. Does that sound good? Think about it like this. God doesn't need us. You know that, right? God does not need us. He could zap you. He could zap you, but he chooses not to do it that way. Instead of zapping you, he invites you into the process. 
He invites you to start planting some spiritual seed. He invites you to getting more deeply involved in what he's trying to do. I mean, God wants you to choose this. There's a principle here. It's this. We have to choose growth because God will never force growth. Say that again. We have to choose to grow. We have to partner with God in order for our growth to happen because God is never going to force growth upon you. That's why when you get involved and you serve or you find community, your faith really does flourish because you're choosing to sow seeds, to do the things that really will move you from point A to point B. And I'll just tell you guys, again, what's true of us as individuals is true of us as a congregation. See, God won't grow you without your help and partnership. And I'll just be honest and say, we can't grow as a church without your help and partnership. We rely on God to do what only he can do, but we rely on us to do the things that God has entrusted to us. There are certain things that God could do, but apparently he won't do. I mean, let's be real. God's not going to show up on Sunday and hold babies in the nursery. He's not going to do that. God's not going to show up and step on stage and play electric guitar with the band. Although, can you imagine how hard he would shred if he did that? It would just be like, "Ah, it'd be amazing. But he's not going to do that. Instead, he says, no, 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 no. Some of you, I've given a gift of playing the guitar or a love for children or a desire to hold the door and make people feel welcome. You see, he gives us the opportunity to partner with him and then to trust him to do what only he can do. Now, before we move on to this last point, I just wanna be really, really clear here, okay? I don't wanna confuse anybody. I want you to understand this above nearly anything else I'm going to say this morning. And that is that spiritual growth is a partnership between you and God. But spiritual birth is the work of God alone. Can I say that again? Spiritual growth is a partnership between you and God. But spiritual birth, salvation, us coming to faith in the first place, that is the work of God only. We are totally dependent on what God does to save us and give us new life. But after we experience new life through Jesus, then God calls us into the process. And he says, now I've played a part. I want you to play a part as I continue to play a part in your life. It's very similar to an infant. An infant had nothing to do with its conception and delivery, did it? It just showed up. It was like, well, I didn't ask for this, but here I am. And yet, when the infant comes along, it has a part to play. It's got to eat. It's got to grow. It's got to develop in order to move on to who it's supposed to be. So it is with our spiritual life that God actually saves us. He does it of his own grace. It really, I mean, we don't have much part in it at all. And yet, when it comes to spiritual growth, God wants you to get involved in the process. Now, speaking of process... The last principle that we see from Mark chapter number four here in Jesus' parable is that spiritual growth is a process. It is a process. Jesus, in in just a few verses, he goes into a surprising amount of detail about the growth of this plant. Did you notice that? Like he's like, first the seed is planted and then a shoot comes up and then it matures into a head of grain and then it produces fruit and then it's harvested. I mean, that's a lot of explanation for just a couple of short verses. But the point that he's making is that this idea of growth, and again, this is true spiritually, it's true in any area of your life. 
Uh, Growth is a process. Development and maturity are progressive. No plant pushes through the ground fully formed, right? It's not like a giant pine tree just grows up like that. No, it starts really, really small and it grows big over time. No baby comes out as a fully formed man. Can I get an amen? That's a good thing, right? No, it starts small and then it grows and it becomes who God created it to be. No soul is created fully mature. Do you know that nobody is born understanding the Bible? Nobody. It's something you have to learn. Nobody is born with a relationship with God. No, it's something that you have to develop as you grow, as you mature, as you discover who God is and who he has created you to be. All of this growth, it takes time and it takes consistency. So listen, if you're new to the faith, if, if you've been around a little bit and you're taking your first steps in following after Jesus, can I just encourage you to keep going? Like, keep taking those steps of faith. Don't judge yourself as a new follower of Jesus according to somebody who's been following Jesus for decades because your lives, your relationships with God, they're not going to look the same, and that's okay. I also don't want you to look at somebody who's been following Jesus for a long time and you're like, man, that ain't me. I'm never gonna be able to do those sorts of things. No, don't buy that lie because God wants to develop you. He wants to grow you. He wants you to partner with him so that you can become a fully mature follower of Jesus. Look, God doesn't expect any of us to be sinless super saints. He doesn't expect that. He simply expects you to keep moving forward. That's what God wants for you, from you. He wants you to just take another step, go a little bit further. In fact, when we talk about discipleship at Connect Church, and maybe that's a foreign word to you, when we define discipleship at Connect, we simply talk about it as this, taking one step closer to Jesus. That's it. That's all we want. We want every single person to take one step. If you can take one step, then eventually you can take another and another and another. I'm not going to look at you and say, okay, you're supposed to be way over there by now and look at you. You're still way over here. Shame, shame. You need to kick it into gear. No, all I want is for you to take one step. Could you join a connect group? That would be one step. Could you come on Sundays more regularly? Could you pray a little bit during the week? That would be a simple step. Could you do one thing that would grow you that would move you into the person that God wanted you to be because it's step by step, little bit by little bit that God fully develops us. The, the, the big theological word is sanctify us. He makes us into the people that he created us to be. Little steps by little steps. We have this tendency to focus on the finish line. This is what I'm supposed to be. And there's such a big gap that I'll never make it. I don't want any of you to ever be a part of our church and to say, well, I tried, but I just didn't measure up and so I'm gonna give up. This is not that kind of place. We only want you to take a step, just one step, just one step. And then when you're ready, take another step and another step and another step. What you'll find is that God and hopefully us will be there celebrating and championing each step that you take because God doesn't expect perfection, only growth. That's all God wants. I think this is the point that Jesus is trying to communicate in this parable. God doesn't need you to be fully formed and mature and bearing fruit and blossoming already. He just needs you to take a few steps in that direction. 
If you would agree that God wants to move you from here to there, if you would start working in concert with God instead of fighting against God and what he's trying to do in your life, you would see that he doesn't care that you're not perfect today. He only cares that you're growing a little bit in your relationship with him and in your relationship with other people. So I'm going to wrap it up, and I want to ask you two questions this morning. And these are, you can ask them to yourselves. I'm not going to make you turn to your neighbor or anything like that and, and, and give the answers. But can I ask you, what spiritual seeds are you currently planting in your life? What spiritual seeds are you currently planting? Like, what are you doing to cooperate with what God wants to do in your life? Or are you constantly fighting him? You're slapping him. Yo, get away. I don't want this God. I mean, are you doing anything that's taking you deeper, that's stretching you further, that's developing you into the person that God wants you to be. And many of you are, but many of you have just settled for the status quo. You've assumed that this is the way it will always be. You will always be this close to God and it's not really gonna get much better. Or you've assumed that your marriage is always going to look like this and there's no hope for it or any other area of your life. And so I wanna encourage you to plant some spiritual seeds. Now, this is not gonna turn into like, now, if you'll just put money in the offering plate today, then that will be the spiritual seed that God will bless and you will see. I'm not gonna do that to you because it ain't about money. Gosh, it's not about that at all. When I say plant spiritual seeds, I mean doing the things that are gonna bring you closer to God, doing the things that are gonna make you more like Jesus because that's the attitude that we need to carry. How can I grow and mature and blossom so that my life looks less like me and more like him? That's question number one. What spiritual seeds are you actually sowing in your life? And then the second question is this. What would be your greatest hindrance to spiritual growth? Like if you were to just name it, I mean, you probably know what it is. If you were to just put a name on it, identify it finally and fully, what would it be? I mean, for some of you, it could be past experiences. You're like, man, Dan, listen, I was involved in a church when I was a kid and it was awful and the people were miserable and it was boring and I couldn't wait to get away. And I don't want to get involved in that again. Me either. I've been there. Maybe for some of you, it's like your doubts and questions and you're like, man, I just don't know how fully I believe all this yet. And so I'd like to take some steps, but I just don't have all the answers. And until I have the answers, I can't go forward. Can I tell you, that's not true either. You can move. I don't have all the answers. Nobody does. It's okay to have questions, to have doubts, to have insecurities, to have even fears. As you continue to take steps in your walk with Jesus, you'll find either answers for the questions or peace for the questions. Some point you're going to find answers that you're searching for, or at some point you'll just find peace with the fact that you're not going to have all of the answers, but it comes as you take steps in following Jesus, as you grow like the plant that he mentioned. Maybe it's time. You're just like so overscheduled. You're like, you have no idea how difficult it was for me to even get here today. Like, I just don't have any extra time in my life. And that's a very real issue. I totally understand that. But can I just challenge you lovingly to prioritize your spiritual life as much as you possibly can? I'm not telling you to quit everything and, you know, start volunteering 16 hours a week for the church or anything like that. But can I just challenge you to do whatever you can to take a small step to reprioritize your spiritual growth. It will be one of the best decisions you've ever made. It could be something else that I haven't mentioned yet this morning, some hindrance that you're experiencing. Whatever it is, if you'll name it, 
and then turn it over to God. If you'll say, God, I want to, but I'm struggling with this. What you'll find is that is a step. And God will meet you in your first step. And then he'll walk with you through your second and third and fourth and eighth and 90th step in the journey. God wants you to grow. He's not going to grow you without your cooperation. But if you will start to partner with God, he will take you from here to there. He will give you the healthy relationship you've always wanted. He will make you into a confident follower of Jesus. He will do things in you and through you that you could not even believe.